The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. That's right. This is Nick Ferguson's secondary uh, perspective. And uh, last week was Halloween. I hope you had a festive time, but we're in that point of the year where you have Halloween, and after Halloween is Thanksgiving, then it's Christmas, and then it's a whole entire new year. So thank you for joining us. Mario, uh, really quickly, you know, I had a great time last week at Halloween, and normally I allow my kids to kind of go out and, and do their thing, but this year was a little little different. I, I bought this little $5 mask, and I never thought I would have so much fun with a $5 mask. So a friend of mine- What they, kind of mask was it? it? It looked like an old Kung Fu master. I mean, from the mustache to the eyebrows, I mean, it was really hairy. I mean, just think 19, I don't know, 20 Kung Fu, right? So I put this mask on, throw on my Star Wars hood, and sweatpants. And I go to a friend's house and I'm lying on his porch, like motionless, like I just been decapitated or I was a zombie or whatever it is. Right. So I can see the people as they start to approach the stairs. And we had a little cold word and he would say, well, what should you say? What do you want to say? And traditionally, that's when people say, well, you know, trick or treat. So I would jump up out of this almost comatose state and scared the bejesus out of these teenagers. And, and, and there was this one girl who really kind of got on my nerves a little bit. She wasn't in the festive mood of Halloween. Because oh, you mean she didn't appreciate the fact that you jumped out and scared the crap out of her? No, well, well first of all, she didn't know it was coming. But I'm sitting here observing her. Well, of course her. not. Right, so I'm sitting here observing her while one of her friends are kind of poking and prodding me with the broomstick to see if I'm alive or not. She's on her cell phone tweeting at the same time so i was like oh yeah i have to get her so i jumped up she she was tweeting like about to get scared by at nick underscore ferguson or nick ferguson underscore 25 hashtag booyah hashtag come on marcus (laughs) you know what it it, it was funny mario because i I was in the spirit of halloween and what it is speaking of marcus this is hilarious. So I had to do it one more time. Check it out. 
You know what? Every time I hear that, I, I just, I'm in stitches. Mike Tyson on Mike Tyson Mysteries on Adult Swim. It's a mixture of, I guess, Scooby-Doo and the old 1980s Mr. T uh, cartoon, but, but, but hilarious to me. But I'm going to tell you someone who isn't hilarious. And we're going to get an insight on the Patriots' way. Join the program today, three-time Super Bowl winning champ, Troy Brown. 15 years, that's right, 15 seasons with the New England Patriots. Most team, most players don't even spend five years in the league, yet the same amount of time with the same franchise. Troy, are you there? Yeah, I got you. I'm having a hard time hearing you right now, but I got you. Okay, cool. Thank you. Now, listen, 15 seasons with the New England Patriots. For you, what were the keys to playing in the league that long? You said, what, what does it take? Yeah, what, what were the keys for you to play in the NFL, especially with the oh, Patriots man. for 15 seasons? There's some, some of the same things that a lot of guys always talk about, a lot of the, a lot of the hard work that's put in, man, and uh, uh, taking care of your body. For one thing, man, that, that's one thing that I really took a lot of uh, a lot of pride in doing was taking care of myself, man. I came down to eating right, drinking the right things, putting the right stuff in your body, uh, treatment, treatment when you didn't need treatment, you know, getting massages and all those things, stretching, uh, all those things, man. Like I say, that stuff right there contributed to me uh, not having any major surgeries either. So, uh, you know, so I was blessed in that way and, and to, to carry on that way. And then I was happy where I was. You know, there was not a deal that was blowing something out of the water that I had in New England, and I, I wasn't leaving. So, um, and I was, I'm, I'm happy there now. So, uh, it, it was good for me, and it worked for me, and I just, I just, uh, I like being there, I like playing there. So, uh, it was a great, great ownership, a great organization to be with, and, uh, you know, I just took advantage of it, man, and just stuck it out there. So, you actually had to play with Tom Brady for several years, and we witnessed this past weekend. A huge rivalry between Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, and Patriots won that game and were very victorious by 20-plus points. At the beginning of the season, and seeing as this season as it was last season, you know, Patriots started off slow. Everyone was riding them off. But what does it seem to be about this team that they seem to get hot at the right time where everyone else is falling off? Uh, I think the, one of the biggest things is, is, is they've got a coaching staff in place, man, that that really know how to identify things that they can get out of guys and things that they do well. And um, they kind of tap into that. You know, I think with the way things are now, you know, it's kind of hard to, to do that at the beginning of the season because practice time is so limited with so many of these players. And obviously the Patriots had a bunch of young players, uh, a lot of, you know, maybe three or four year, a couple three or four year guys on the offensive line. And I think they started a couple of rookies this year on the offensive line, you know, which contributed to the problem to start the season out. And, uh, it's just hard to get that that uh, camaraderie, the timing, all those things you got to do. And the only way you can do it is, to, is you have to practice with these guys. You got to be around them. You got to get to know each other. And uh, so that trust and everything is not there. So they had a hard time gelling together at the beginning of the season. But I think the coaching staff did a good job of identifying that in the first uh, three or four weeks of the season and tapped into some, to some things and made some changes in other places. They helped this team get to where they are, where they are, and, and it was an amazing transformation from them from week four to week five, you know, and 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 going back to what week two, week three, whatever it was, to getting smoked by the Kansas City Chiefs, and uh, and and 
to see them come out this past Sunday and beat the Denver Broncos are obviously a, a tremendous football team, great football team all across the board. And to beat them the way they did uh, on Sunday, you know, I think you have to give the coaching staff and give the give the players too a lot of a lot of the credit for being able to step up and, uh, and make adjustments when they had to make adjustments at, at a tough time in the season when people were just writing them off. What I want to get get at is that when you look at the fact of uh, the Patriots and the Broncos in this AFC uh, matchup, uh, talk about the implications, how this thing is going to unfold at the back end of the season with the Patriots having a victory over the Broncos. Uh, well, well, you look at look, you go back to last year when when the Patriots beat the Broncos in in New England last year, and uh, they had the chance to uh, have home field advantage throughout the playoffs, but they, they ended up getting beat by Miami late in the season somewhere in there and uh, and gave it back to the Broncos and they had to come into Denver and, and obviously a tough place for New England to play and I ended up losing there. Uh, so it's, it's a tough matchup for either team to have to go to either place. So it was a, it was a very important game, very important game for both teams to get that home field advantage. And, and then uh, you look at this thing going forward right now, uh, New England's got definitely had the toughest schedule of the two teams. So they got to go to Green Bay uh, I think they have to go to San Diego still, even though they're not looking as good as they were. Uh, they still have Detroit on the schedule, just uh, and Buffalo and New York uh, at the end of the season. So, uh, and going into New York is never an easy task for New England either. So, they definitely have the tougher part of the schedule uh, coming up for them as opposed to what Denver has. So, it's going to be really important for New England. It was really important for them to win this game this week against Denver, and then uh, try to protect it by winning some tough games on the road against some tough opponents here. Well, with the fact of saying the games that they have remaining, which are very, some tough games, they're at the Colts, at the Packers, even though the Chargers uh, are having some issues of their own, sometimes they, they tend to see, have a tendency to play up to the level of the competition. Still some tough games on, on the road. Do you see this Patriots team as being a team that, that can make it to the Super Bowl? And not only make it, can they actually win the Super Bowl? Yeah, I think the biggest difference I see in this football team right now is there's a level of maturity right now. There's, there's some guys who uh, who matured some. Dante Hightower who's growing up a little bit and playing much better this year in that middle spot. You know uh, that that Mayo vacated with his injury uh, last year. He didn't do so well there. Uh, McCordy, whose name we don't call very much today, playing free safety back there for him. That's a good thing. You know, adding guys like Revis and 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 uh, Browner. To the secondary, uh, Patrick Chung coming back, who's obviously playing. He's playing very well right now, and uh, for this football team. So, so many guys on different sides of the ball that are playing well, and and I think the ability for them to adjust the way they did that that tells me right there they're mature, uh, they're able to focus, they're able to uh, they're able to adjust, they're able to uh, accept what the coaches are trying to tell them and teach them, and, and take that and learn from it. So, uh, and you didn't always see that from the past Patriots teams, the past. Uh, three or four years. I don't think those teams really bought into what Belichick was trying to tell them or teach them. And, and you kind of get that feeling right now from this football team that everybody's on the same page, everybody's buying into it. And I think you can contribute that to a lot of uh, a lot of the media in the area coming down on them so hard the first four weeks of the season. And I think they just realized they had to just rely on themselves and, and depend on each other to get better. And, and that's the one side of that see right now that makes me believe they can get to the Super Bowl and, and possibly even win it. You know, Troy, you were probably one of the last guys in the NFL to not only play both sides of the ball, but to do it effectively and efficiently. How come we don't see that? And we're like, why, why don't we see more Troy Browns out there? Now, I know it was kind of one of those circumstances where you had to because you guys didn't have a lot of better options. But why is it we don't see guys playing both sides of the ball the way you did? And I, I guess even three sides of the ball as you were also a punt returner. 
<laughs> well, I think it's something I wish I had done earlier in my career. You know, I think I would have uh, loved to do it quite a bit. You know, maybe playing 50, 000, 50 plays on each side of the ball, maybe. You know, that, that's something I would have loved to have done. But it was done out of necessity for me to do it. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know why more guys don't raise their hands and try to do it more because I actually had a lot of fun doing it. And, uh, you know, I think it's one of those things where, you know, players get caught up in, you know, maybe uh, they're not paying me to do this or whatever else, those kind of things that get caught up in. And that really wasn't uh, what I was caught up in. I was just trying to do whatever I could to, to win. <laughs> you know, that was the biggest thing I had on my mind was, just uh, what, what can I do to help this football team win? And, and well, that was and, it. And you know, I don't think you're going to see guys thinking that way uh, too much anymore. And, uh, right. you know, and then there's, uh, you know, uh, cases of injuries out there, too, you know, the guys are concerned about. But, um, right. you know, in my case, it was a situation where I had a coach that trusted I could go out there and do do what he asked me to do. Uh, he wasn't going to put too much on my plate uh, that I couldn't handle. And I think he felt like I had the capacity to mentally, physically, and emotionally to handle that load. And, and and he didn't cut back on me at all with the defensive calls, all offensive calls. I had to get it all in and soak it all up and be ready to go on game day. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure if a lot of coaches feel like guys can, you know, handle that. <laughs> Who was a better uh, member of the secondary, you or Nick? <laughs> oh, come on. Nick, Nick knows I was the man back there, man. <laughs> you know, no, speaking good, of that, speaking that, true, I want to go back to uh, uh, 05 and, and recently. Well, well, Troy, I want to I want to go back to 05 real quickly. Uh, you know, we played against each other in that uh, I guess cha- not it wasn't a championship game, but maybe that second tier before we got a chance to play uh, Pittsburgh. But uh, Champ Bailey retired last week. What fond memories you have of competing against a guy like Champ Bailey? Well, a lot of the memories I have against Champ Bailey aren't good. Uh, you know, when he, when <laughs> I mean, they're good for Nick and I, but maybe not you, Troy. Broncos, you know, yeah. there was one where I think uh, ALC divisional game out there in the playoffs, and he picked one off about a, about 100 yards or so. And uh, I, I can't remember if he scored or if he got tackled by Ben Watson on the one-yard line, whatever it was. But, you know, just he, 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 was, uh, he had a knack of making big plays like that for his football team. So uh, just a tremendous athlete, uh, very athletic guy. You know, had that that cornerback type bill. You know, he wasn't extremely tall, but he just looked like he was longer than what he was because of his arms and just uh, his build and stuff. So just uh, had a knack for the football, man. And you know, you, you take your chances when you threw the ball his way. You know, because you never know when he make that play on you and, and go the distance on you like he did with us several times. Well, see, there there you have it from the man who played on both sides of the ball wide receiver and as a corner and did line up at quarterback at one particular time. Troy, thank you for joining the program, and I'm looking forward to see how this Patriots team's play in the backstretch of the season. Hey, it's going to be real interesting, man. Keep in touch. All right, I will do so. That Once again, that's Troy Brown, 15 years with the New England Patriots, three-time pro bowler. You can follow him on Twitter at the real Troy Brown And his uh, thundering herd, uh, Marshall, they're 8-0. They're playing against Southern Miss uh, this Saturday. So I'm sure he's got a lot of football slated on his plate to look at this weekend. Coming up after the break, we will talk about a little bit of NBA and hear what Michael Jordan had to say about the president, the leader of the free world. You're listening to Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective, here on Voice America Sports. <laughs> The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No 
holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move oh, on. I just, and get I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Yeah, that was great having Troy Brown on the program. Great competitor. Uh, several years with the New England Patriots. And he's done something that most players really don't get a chance to do in their career is stay with his franchise that drafted him for 15 years. 15 seasons. That's well, but it definitely 15. helps that that franchise is very, very good. You know, it's not one that you would want to leave. No, and then he had an opportunity to go, I believe, and sign with the New Orleans Saints, but he decided he was going to take more less money and stay with Tom Brady and win a couple more championships. Hey, that, that sounds like a great deal to me. So I, I, I don't know. Now, would you do that, Nick? Would you take less money to stay with a great team? Yeah, I've said that before. I say, if most NFL franchise, if they took a page out of, uh, the, uh, I guess, LeBron James, Chris Bosh, and D-Wade, essentially that money, they made $100 million, but for them... It was kind of pay cuts for them. But if NFL teams look at it as an actual business as they talk about it and just kind of go to these players and say, hey, listen, we are dedicated to winning football games. So if you take a little off your salary, we'll add some key players and put some impact players around you, and we can win multiple championships, guys will say, you know what, I'm all for that. But we're going to talk to Sage Rosenfeld, who spent 12 seasons in the NFL the Texans, the Dolphins, Minnesota Vikings, New York Giants. He's had a chance to play along some of the, the best quarterbacks in this game and some of the not-so-good quarterbacks in the league. Sage, thank you for joining the program. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Sage, I have to start off by talking about both your former team and my former team, the Houston Texans. What seems to be going on with that team? I mean, in last game, you know, Andre Johnson, you know, Two receptions for 12 yards. He's, he's almost disappeared in that offense. What's happening with Andre Dawson, how he's dealing with the quarterback position? 
Well, I think a lot has to do with some has to do with the quarterback, and I think a lot has to do with the fact that Gary Kubiak is gone. Um, you know, Gary Kubiak did a great job over the course of you know I don't know, eight or nine years there in Houston of understanding how to get Andre Johnson the ball. Uh, he's done a great job that over his career as an offensive coordinator, as an offensive head coach, to get premier players the ball. And you, you can see that in Baltimore, the way Steve Smith has had a bit of a resurgence here late in his career, 35 years old. He's getting a lot of touches, getting a lot of catches. And Coobs was great about moving Andre around. He's the X receiver in one play. He's the Z receiver in the next play. He might be in the slot on some sort of play to get him easy completion. Gary Kubiak was great about doing that with Andre, and not all offenses are, are you know made like that. And, and I think that's probably one of the reasons that uh, that Andre's unhappy. I think he understood what offense was before Kubiak got there, and how few catches he had uh, under the, that regime. How great Gary was for his career. Now that Gary's gone, I think he has concern of you know what's my career going to end up at because you know he's had you know a Hall of Fame type career so far. But unless I think he ends it with some really good stats in his last few years and maybe a possibility to win a championship and get in the playoffs again, um, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Andre. Now, now you're talking about the ending of his career. Uh, do you see Andre Johnson in a Texans uniform next season or this regime is just going ahead or this is the start of them pushing him out of the door? Well, I'm not sure if they're going to push him out of the door. I, I think it might be, in my opinion, it might be a mutual you know, type of parting here. You know, you got a guy who does count significantly against the salary cap. I'm not sure what the number it is, but it's got to be somewhere in the double digits or near the double digits. And, and that's a lot for a guy who's not putting up big numbers and is at the sort of the tail end of his career. So you know, it might be one of those situations where Andre maybe won't, won't believe maybe the team and I want to have him as such a salary cap eater for a player who's not putting up the big numbers. So. It might be one of those things where everyone's happy uh, next season when, when Andre's probably playing for another franchise. If you're just joining us, we're talking to 12-year NFL vet played with the Vikings, Dolphins, Giants, and the Texans, Sage Rosenfeld. You can follow him at Sage Rosenfeld, uh, 18. Now, we just had Troy Brown talking about uh, the Broncos and the Patriots game. When, when you look at the comparison between Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, as a former quarterback, do you look in and, and really critique these quarterbacks as far as their game is concerned, or you just kind of sit there and marvel at their expertise and their execution? Yeah, I love watching these two guys play. I mean, you know, the thing about watching the Broncos anymore is they're almost boring to watch because Peyton's execution is so good. Uh, but, yeah, I think that what separates these two right now, you know, late in their careers is the fact that Tom Brady just has a much stronger arm. Uh, and I think that that's making big differences in, in these late uh, season games. I think it made a big difference the other day. I, I think Peyton Manning's record is something very, very average when the temperature's under, underneath 40 degrees. And he's going to have those types of games uh, late in the year, whether it's in Denver or playing out in Foxborough or, or playing somewhere else. I mean, for the most part, late season games are, are going to be chilly. And then Peyton Manning's fairly pedestrian. Uh, sounds crazy to say that, but in those cold games. So I think that's what separates them right now. I think both of them are mentally uh, you know, above and beyond almost any other quarterback in the league as far as the way they manage the offense, to control the offensive line and manipulate protections and find one-on-one matchups, those types of things. But I think late in, career, or late in the season in those types of games, I think the advantage goes to Peyton Manning, if, or I'm sorry, Tom Brady, but if they're playing, say, in Florida or in somewhere where the temperature is nice from the dome, I actually probably think that you know Peyton might be a little, a little bit better in perfect condition. 
Now, every team is always trying to make sure they're playing better than the previous team or their opponent. And the biggest thing is always depth. You always hear about having depth at all the positions, but the most important position, especially in the so-called quarterback-driven league, is the backup quarterback. I think that that is probably the more important position. But in the recent weeks, we've seen backup quarterbacks step into the role. Tony Romo is out. He's nursing a, a back injury. He might play against the Jags in London, so Brandon Weeding is, is in. And then you had Sims to come in for injured Michael Vick. And then Mark Sanchez steps in for Nick Foles. As a guy who played behind, you know, some great quarterbacks, what is it like to come into a game, the game is on the line, and the pressure is on you, but still have the ability to try to execute? What is that like for you? Well, it's extremely exciting. You know, you obviously go into the game thinking you may play. You just never know, and you don't know what's going to be the first snap, and, and you know, you're going to play 70 plays, or it's just maybe the last drive, and you got to close it out and get a two-minute drill, you know, going. So, obviously, your adrenaline's rushing, but, you know, at the very minimum, you just want to get those first few completions and, and get them all moving and get that first first down. But, you know, the backup quarterback position is really interesting. Teams, and some teams really invest heavily in them and, and spend 2 or $3 million a year in that backup guy and other other teams don't, and uh, they go with as you know the minimum veteran or a really young guy with very little experience. I think there's a couple ways teams think about it. They think, well, if our starters hurt, we're not probably going to make the playoffs or make much of a run anyway. So what's really the point of, of wasting that salary cap money on the backup? And other teams say, you know, there's, if our starter does get hurt, maybe it's only four or five games, and and maybe we get a backup quarterback who can go 500 or, or even better in those games uh, and keep us in the hunt. So when that starter does come back. Uh, you know, we're right there, and we haven't lost ground. I and mean, we saw with teams like Green Bay last year, uh, who you know failed miserably with their backup quarterback. But there's been situations in the past where the backup has come in, done a nice job, and, and helped that team you know sort of get back in, into the playoff hunt or stay in the playoff hunt. But when that star comes back, so I mean, I think Dallas is a really interesting scenario. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk whether Romo is going to play this weekend or not. And, and I think with Romo playing, it it really should matter. Dallas is a superior team here. They're much better than Jacksonville. All around, they've been playing better. Their offensive line has played great all year. They've got the best running back in the game. So, you know, if, if Romo doesn't play in this football game, you know, this, this weekend, I, I think that Dallas still should win that football game if they have a legitimate, good football team, a playoff caliber football team. And if they're really pressing Romo to play because they don't feel Brandon Whedon can do the job, uh, I think that's sort of been a poor job on Dallas for not finding the right guy who they feel like can go out and win, you know, a football game that their team is better than. Well, I want to play a little something for, for you. Uh, Tony Dungy had something to say about both uh, Andrew Luck and RG3 and, and to the effect of would he draft RG3 right now? And I want you to take a look and give me your comments. You know, I, I don't know. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't draft him at the Same type of arm, but that's just amazing athletic ability. Now, after two knee injuries or knee and an ankle, you know, not the stunning athlete anymore. And has gotten better and better. And, and he is, believe me, he's going to be the next great quarterback in this league. Now, Andrew Luck, uh, Sage, I mean, seven straight games of 300 yards or more. And I know he was really familiar with the Manning boys going to a couple of their quarterback camps. Uh, do you agree with Tony Dungy saying that RG3, you know, was a prolific quarterback, had the potential to be when he first came out, but now he's not viewed in that same light anymore? Well, I think from the RG3 perspective, uh, you know, there's a couple of things that quarterbacks can bring to the table. They've got guys that can throw, they've got guys that can run, they've got guys that can mix up both. 
Uh, but I think of all the abilities that's most important for, for any position in football, especially quarterback, is your availability. And RG3 has been injured consistently over the course of the first couple of years in the league. Uh, that doesn't seem to change. That's not going to get better as he gets older. He'll probably get injured more often. So, you know, our, uh, uh, Andrew Luck is, is hand down, hands down the best quarterback uh, of the course of the last probably seven or eight years that has been drafted. I, I think he's already in that top five class in the NFL. He carries that Colt team uh, like very, very, very few quarterbacks can do. And I just think every week I enjoy watching Andrew Luck probably as much as any quarterback in the NFL. Now, now, Sage, you spent some time in Minnesota, and I believe Kristen Ponder was there while uh, you were there as well. What do you think is his biggest issues and the hurdles that's preventing him from living up to that first-round draft choice with the uh, Vikings spent on him several years ago? And you could just say that he's really not that good. Uh, well, you know, I'm not going to – I think he's got talent enough. You know, I've seen I saw him throw him practice. He's one of those guys that seems to have a lot of the tangible things. He seems to have a good, solid arm. The ball comes out of his hand nice, and, and he's athletic, and he's a smart guy. But I think, you know, there's some quarterbacks who just don't have that it. And I don't know how to really describe that. You probably have to ask a lot of guys, offensive linemen and players who are in the huddle with quarterbacks they really like playing with. And there's a command that uh, that goes on there. There's some. There's a belief. There's a, there's a sale that the quarterback has to have with his offensive line, and, and there's a receiver that this play is going to work. And it seems like since Ponder's got to Minnesota, he hasn't quite had that. Uh, you know, the, the team hasn't quite believed in him uh, since he's been up there. And I feel like you know he that's a, that has affected him with his confidence and things like that. But you can also tell when he goes in there, that team doesn't seem quite convinced that they're going to have success on the next player in that game. Well, Sage, before we let you get out of here, you had an opportunity to play uh, with some great quarterbacks, Eli Manning and Brett Farr. Out of those two quarterbacks, who do you feel was more supportive for you, bringing you along and making sure you knew the system? Well, you know, they're, yeah, they're basically my role for both of them was trying to sort of help both of them out as whatever, whatever I could. And I think uh, what was interesting for both of them is that you know, they've both been in basically one system for most of their careers. Brett Favre and, uh, you know, the very, very, you know, West Coast offense system throughout his entire career. And Eli Manning was in Kevin Gilbride's system over the course of his career. So uh, I bounced around so much. I had Norv Turner and Scott Linehan and Jason Garrett and Mark Trestman and, and Gary Kubiak and all these other guys. And so when I came uh, to that team, I thought I could add some, some of my experience from some of the other things that we did, whether it be an audible for a front that we saw or a defensive look that we saw, a combination that we liked uh, that really worked for us, and I could add a little bit of value there to, to add something that they hadn't seen over the course of their careers and, and their offense. Well, there you have it, uh, Sage. Thank you for, for joining us. Uh, remember to follow Sage at Sage Rosenfeld, uh, 18. Great guy to follow. Very informative, especially as an analyst and a former quarterback. Once again, Sage, thank you for joining the program. All right, Nick. Thanks for having me on. Yes. Mario Sage has some very interesting things to say, especially uh, as a quarterback. I mean, he's played with multiple guys and multiple systems, and we see a lot of guys in the NFL, quarterbacks, that is, that they are one-system guys. They've been in systems their entire season. And we saw Eli Manning, who we're talking about, Ben McAdoo comes over from Green Bay Packers, implements a new system, and they start off the season struggling just a little bit, but they're trying to get things uh, on track. But to play with multiple guys, that there's a revolving door with the personnel, 
and changing sceneries as far as offensive coordinators and schemes, it proves to be very difficult for a lot of teams. And, and I'm glad Sage joined us to bring some insight uh, uh, to that. Uh, for you, I want to go back and recap because we haven't had the chance to do this. We talked last week about this Patriots-Broncos game. And, and I do recall you saying when I was throwing out my reasons why I think the Broncos, this would be a test for the Broncos, you said that, Nick, you play for the Broncos, if I'm not mistaken. Why does it seem that as though you are hating on the Broncos? And like I told you last week. Yeah, Nick. The Broncos had not faced the team. I don't even want to do this with you anymore, Nick. You just, you're just bumming me out. Hey, listen, remember, I tried to call you, I think, at halftime. Yeah, my, my phone was broken because I threw it against the wall. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's just the way my bank account is set up, right? <laughs> See, the way, that, the, the way that my phone is set up is uh, when I get a text message from Nick <laughs> about the Broncos and they're losing, I got I to gotta switch it over to my other phone because my other phone, you know, is just a payment plan. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, man, all I was trying to say is that when you do not receive a test, a real defensive test and that adversity that your team should get to before you get to the Super Bowl. If you don't get that, then you have a repeat performance. And I had some people send me some tweets and some of those tweets were, you know what, Nick, this seems all too familiar to me. It seemed to them and to me, and you tell me, like that Seattle game, but the Broncos just scored more points because Tom Brady just moved the ball up and down the field at will. Gronkowski, LaFell, Tim Wright, Danny Amendola, and Julian Elman. He was getting off on touchdowns and returns for touchdowns against the Broncos. So to me, great test for the Broncos. I'm glad it happened now. So now they can have a little reality check, look at everyone in the locker room, but I'm wondering how the injury to Danny Trevathan, the middle linebacker, how's this going to affect Irving. their defense? Yeah, and Nate Irving. So, so, so now we're talking about a team that was healthy at one point. That was just everyone saying, okay, they're, they're on this historic run. Now they're starting to see how the other half lives and how injuries will affect their team. So I don't know. I'll let you go ahead and, and talk because I, I don't want to rant about this, but I want to hear some words from you. Well, here's, here's, the, uh, here's the thing about Trevathan that was kind of irritating. When he got hurt in the preseason, they rushed him back. They really shouldn't have brought him back as soon as they did, Nick. I mean, for someone that played in the NFL and, you know, you've had your injuries and, you know, my background in the healthcare field, it just seemed irresponsible. Just because you can play doesn't mean you necessarily should. And with Danny Trevathan, it's a classic case. I'm telling myself, they're rushing him back. He shouldn't be playing. Uh, I think he made it like two weeks, you know, didn't really even have that much of an impact. So he was kind of a shell of himself and he got hurt again. And now he won't be available for the rest of the regular season, might not even have him for the postseason. Uh, luckily, you got a guy in Brandon Marshall who uh, is the Broncos, Brandon Marshall, not the Chicago Bears, Brandon Marshall. <laughs> and this is a guy that was cut by the Jaguars twice, Nick. And, I mean, you talk about, like, getting your chance, and that's what this Denver defense is all about. It's about giving these guys chances, you know, that that maybe didn't get a chance elsewhere, didn't get enough respect in college. You know, you look at Chris Harris, who right now is the top-rated cornerback on pro football focus, hasn't given up, given up a touchdown all year, hasn't given up more than 50 yards receiving in a game to anybody all season. He was undrafted. You look over at Raheem Moore, who was written off as uh, – as a bust his rookie year, and then everybody knows what happened in Baltimore, but, you know, he's having a solid year. Now, 
Uh, Usher and a guy in Steve Johnson. I know the Broncos are just stockpiling rece- uh, linebackers that have the same names as famous receivers, apparently, Nick. <laughs> but Steve Johnson, who was at Kansas with Chris Harris, was also undrafted. He is actually a better special teams player, if you look at the tape, than David Bruton. David Bruton is their captain. He's their special teams guy. So he's kind of the, the face that's synonymous with special teams. Steve Johnson led this team in special teams tackles last year, and he's been waiting for a chance. This is his third year. He knows the system. So I know they're saying, oh, well, they might put in Lamine Barrow because he's faster. They might give Corey Nelson an edge even though he's on the outside. But Stevie Johnson is built like a middle linebacker. He's solid muscle, and he's going to have a great game. In fact, I'm predicting, Nick, that he's going to play so well when Nate Irving comes back. He's not going to get his job back. The same thing that Ronnie Hillman's doing the money ball. So here's the thing. I know that the injuries are happening, but this Broncos team has something last year's didn't, and that's depth. They have depth, and they, you know, not at the quarterback position, but pretty much anywhere else. If they have somebody go down, they have someone else that can step in and get the job done. So I wrote an article really quick. Go to brandonspano.com if you want to see it, basically telling Bronco fans to relax. It's one game. It does not make or break your season. You're 6-2. and two. A lot of people thought that you would be 4-4 four and four or 5-3 and three at this point. Just relish what you have. The team's going to be fine. It's the NFL. One game does not matter that much. Wow, that's more... And uh, I got out of Mario this past weekend when I was trying to get him on a horn and talk about. So the I just Broncos wanted to. Game. I just wanted to save it all, Nick. That that's why. Well, I'm glad that you decided to save it all. I just thought you were just going to run and cower and tuck your tail between your legs and duck yourself in a hole. But I know you're not that guy. And also coming up after the break, we're here what Michael Jordan had to say about President Obama and. Otis needs to step his game up. Are we going to start to see a clash between MJ? In the leader of the free world? I don't know. We'll find out more after this break. Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective on Voice America Sports. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. One hand in the air, if you don't really care. Two hands in the air, if you don't really care. It's like that sometimes, I mean ridiculous. It's like that sometimes, ridiculous. You know what's ridiculous? I'm going to tell you what's ridiculous. When, before, while we were at the break, Mario uh, and I had a discussion. I was handed something, and it said that the new title for Star Wars Episode Seven was revealed, and which everyone knows I'm a Star Wars fan, so I was really ecstatic about it. And Mario said that he wonders if Mace Windu is going to make a comeback. And I told Mario, I say, listen, I mean, I've seen a lot of movies. I love horror movies. I love sci-fi movies. But I said, the, the, the black people always die in the horror film. They're like the first one to go. And I never anticipated in Star Wars that, because it's, it's a sci-fi, it's space, it's futuristic, that Mace Windu, played by Samuel L. Jackson, would just made... But it's, but it's not futuristic. It's in the past, Nick. So, I mean... Past, no, past, future, whatever you want to call racism, it. Racism still exists back there in, in the Star Wars era. That's why there's only two black people and one of them died. Well, you know what? And one was a scoundrel, Lando Calrissian, played by, that's right, Billy D. Billy D. Williams. D. Williams. <laughs> you want my of the Reading Rainbow. No, whoa, Take whoa, whoa, look. wait, 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 Mario, Reading Rainbow. Mario, all black people don't look the same. You're talking about LeVar Arrington. Not LeVar Arrington, but, uh, oh, God, I, I can't. That's re- re- no, This is the guy from Star Trek, Nick. Not all black people look alike. But he's the reading rainbow guy. Oh, that's Billy D. No, he's not. Mario, <laughs> have you ever seen Reading Rainbow? Go look it up. Billy D was in Reading Rainbow. No, he's not. Gotta be. Just like Morgan Freeman was on Electric Company. Come on, man. All <laughs> Do black we... people don't look alike. <laughs> Come on, Mario. Get it, get it, get it together. I've been doing the show with Tatum Bell. <laughs> See, there, it's not going to stop, right? It's not going to stop. <laughs> so, okay, now let's get back to business. So, Tony Romo and the Dallas Cowboys are traveling over to the UK to play against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jerry Jones is saying that he expects Tony Romo to play in this game. Now, I must ask you. Now, we talk about these, these two individuals on the program a lot. And we talked about this last week as far as player safety and players' health. Romo went out last week against the Washington Redskins on Monday night. He had already had a tore-off shot in his back, came back, re-injured it, and now Jerry Jones is talking about he expects for him to play. So is this the pressure that Jerry Jones is feeling because his team hasn't been to a meaningful game in the postseason in some time, or is the fact that he gave Tony Romo all that money in the offseason? You know what? Honest to God, Nick, I think the problem here with the Cowboys, it's the same the same thing that's been a problem with them for all these years, and that's Jerry Jones. What other owner in the NFL is in front of a camera as often as Jerry Jones? What other owner gets as much notoriety as Jerry Jones? There's a reason that these guys need to be behind the scenes. I mean, maybe Ursay is the only other one, and it's because he got a DUI, for goodness sake. Jerry Jones needs to stay in his office, let the football people take care of football things, 
and just let his team play. And by the way, Nick, I don't know if you saw this. I don't know who's in charge of the social media realm for the Dallas Cowboys, but they came up with the hashtag Cowboys UK. That sounds harmless, right? But here's the problem, Nick. If you put Cowboys UK all together, what does that look like? It looks like Cowboys suck. Okay, so for the, like, that's just that's just a, a minor little thing in a string of issues with the Dallas Cowboys. Well, everybody knows Tony Romo shouldn't have come back, but Jerry Jones is power hungry. He has to get that win. It doesn't matter if Tony Romo might lose his life. They got to win that next game. Jerry Jones just needs to retreat into the shadows where he belongs. All right. Uh and the name, I'm sorry, it wasn't LeVar Arrington. I don't know why I said that. LeVar, LeVar Arrington was a linebacker. Yeah, right, for Penn State, Washington Redskins. LeVar Burton, go check it out, reading Rainbow. But moving on, MJ himself, still selling sneakers, and he hadn't touched the hardwood floor in about 10-plus season. But listen to what he had to say about the leader of the free world. No, not a bad call. There is no doubt that Michael's a better golfer okay. than I am. Uh, of course, if I was playing twice a day for the last uh, 15 years, uh, then that might not be the case. And, you know, he, he, he might, might want to spend more time thinking about the Bobcats or maybe the Hornets. Mark, I have to ask you. Is this- <laughs> yeah, maybe Obama should worry more about Obamacare and the state of, uh, oh, I don't want to get into that. Well, well, you know, where I come from, they always tell you to stay in your lane and maybe both individuals who do just that stay in their in your lane. Leave the politics to Obama. Michael worry about his Bobcats now the Charlotte Hornets and worry about his shoe franchise. But I have to ask you, is this entertainment? This is entertaining commentary or could we see MJ and the president get into a little spat here? I mean, I think it's entertaining. I can't imagine them getting into any sort of spat. I mean, I'm sure Barack Obama is psyched that Michael Jordan is talking to him. And I'm sure that Michael Jordan is fact that the president of the United States is talking to him. It's just one of those things. It's two very popular people, you know, the leader of the free world and, you know, basically the reinventor of basketball. Uh, I just think it's, you know, playful, little playful banter. But in all seriousness, Mr. President nailed it right on the head. Maybe Michael Jordan should spend less time golfing, a little more time worrying about turning his basketball team into a 500 franchise. Well, Michael Jordan did say that he, he has a dream of maybe, you know, having another or seventh ring. And maybe that Bobcats team could actually do it. But if you listen to the president, Michael's playing too much golf. For that to even take place. Now, last night, the Utah Jazz beat, that's right, the Cleveland Cavaliers and Kyrie Irving. That's right, kid handles 34 points, zero assists. And listen no to assists. No assists. From the now point listen, guard, Nick. From the point guard position, listen to what both Kyrie Irving had to say and LeBron James. No way you're going to win a basketball game like that. Um, just having six assists. Um, I think we got two in the first half. We had four in the second half. We had actually four into like the last minute and a half of the game. And, you know, we just can't win like that. Um, you know, we got to figure out a way to help each other, you know, and not make it so tough. Uh, only six assists as a team tonight. Is that a little bit of a concern going forward? No, no. Kyrie Urban said when asked, was that a problem with no assist in the game? He said no. Did he forget who runs Cleveland? Who runs the Cavaliers? Hey, 
Sit down, young man. LeBron James back in the house. The prodigal son has returned, and you better pass me the ball. So I have to ask you, Mario, it, wh- why is LeBron James deferring to Irving and not getting the game over? At some point, is, will he do this? He doesn't have the same temperament as Michael Jordan, but w- will he get angry enough to take the game over? Well, I, I don't really know what exactly is going on in Cleveland. I got to feel like these Cavalier fans, you know, the, the Cleveland faithful, they're so happy that they finally have a chance in an NBA championship because LeBron has returned. They got Kyrie. They got Kevin Love. But here's the problem, Nick. A, there is no depth outside of their starters. I mean, it is such a huge drop-off in talent after their big three. I mean, unless you want to try and say that Sean Marion is still a legitimate basketball player. But the bottom line, man, they just need to learn how to play together. They're bringing together different styles. You know, Kevin Love is used to being the star. Kyrie is used to being the star. That can't be the case anymore. So there's going to be a little bit of growing pains. And honestly, the best thing that LeBron can do, just shave your head, man. You're not fooling anybody. No one's going to make fun of you any more than they already are. Just embrace the bald. Honest to God, Nick, like, look. I've been losing my hair for a while, so I know the struggle <laughs> is real, okay? I like to wear hats. You know, I don't play NBA basketball, so I don't have to worry about everybody and their mother seeing my head, okay? With LeBron, it's a confidence thing. He's losing more and more hair. People keep talking about it, talking about it, talking about it. Man, take the power away. Turn into the skid. LeBron, embrace the bald. It's beautiful, man. Well, I guess if you are looking for something to do on Friday night, tomorrow night, date night, whatever you have it, if you're in the Denver area, you have the Cavs in town against the Denver Nuggets and also the Memphis Grizzlies are at OKC. With LeBron coming to Denver, are you going to the game? I am not going to the game. It's actually... Look, it's my birthday on Monday, so I'm getting a big group of my followers and my Mile High Mario supporters. We're going out on uh, Friday night, and we're going to carry on and have a great old time. I would invite you, Nick, but you're too Hollywood, man. Wow, too Hollywood. Speaking of Hollywood, there's a movie that I want to see that's coming out starting in Hathaway and Matthew McConaughey called Interstellar. Uh, Stories about a dying planet. That's right. Earth is dying. And they why, are we gotta have, why do we have to have all these movies where Earth is going to explode and no longer exist? I, you know, call me <laughs> call me uh, crazy, Nick, but I just don't like the idea of Earth blowing up. That's just me. Well, you know what? It's global warming. You know, some people don't think global warming is actually happening. You heard Chris Farley say years ago on an SNL skit, El Nino is Spanish for the Nino. So that tells you. <laughs> That things are happening, but people don't really want to look at it. But so maybe Hollywood is trying to tell us something that we don't know or no one wants to pay attention to. That you know, the Earth- Hollywood is going to be the reason that the world ends in the first place. People will <laughs> well, be so distracted and, you know, in front of a television or in front of a movie screen. You know, aliens are going to take over. We're not even going to notice. <laughs> aliens are going to take. I, I don't, I, be I don't know what's going to happen. Everyone's going to be waiting for all these superhero movies coming out, man. The Avengers and Civil War and Deadpool and the new Spider-Man and Batman versus Superman. And nobody's going to leave their damn house, Nick. <laughs> so you say everyone's going to be jam-packed in front of either a TV screen or a movie screen while everything else is catastrophic is happening around them. Like they said there could be 10 superhero movies next year. 
You think I'm going to leave my house when we got 10 superhero movies going on, man? Man, we can walk outside. Animals, you'd be taking over. Be like, man, how long? How the hell long has this been going on? Well, you may look to your right and your left, and you might see some one of those space invaders who are taking over the planet and join the box of popcorn with you. But I would bring inside. Tell them to watch the Avengers with me. You know what? Speaking of popcorn and, and an exciting uh, event, the Bears at the Packers. This is probably longest, oldest rivalry in NFL history. And this is the 90th meeting between the two teams. Aaron Rodgers uh, coming off of that devastating loss against Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints nursing a hamstring. The weather is going to be cold. It's going to be snow and it's going to be rain. And he is 9-1, and one, I believe, against... Uh, Jay Cutler, he was, here's what he had to say about his injury and the game that's coming up. Um, you know, stuck to my program at the medical staff gave for rehab. I got an acupuncture, uh, which helped release a little bit, but uh, it's feeling better. Yeah, all good. Uh, you know, full practice. Uh, going home on Wednesday practice for us. So, yeah, he had a good day. Both teams executed pretty well last time with no punts, uh, which uh, – yeah, for us, it's kind of old hat. We have, we've had two of those games this year. Uh, we've had two of those games, two of the three all-time, uh, no punts. But, uh, but yeah, you know, they, they just turned the ball over and we didn't. Well, you know what? That, that's very interesting. <laughs> and and, and, and he said, he's saying that about Jay Culler, who has had a tendency to turn uh, the ball ball over. And we know about uh, the, the inner squad turmoil between the Chicago Bears. So I asked you really quickly before we get out here this is the same Aaron Rodgers who told everyone to relax several weeks ago should the Bears relax in this game against the Packers the Bears can do whatever they want Nick it's not going to help them win this game the Bears season is over as far as I'm concerned so I don't really care what they do well there it is so with that being said you've already told me you're choosing the Packers over the Bears and it's not even going to be close it's not even going to be close once again Mario interstellar in theaters tomorrow go check it out uh, i want to thank my guest sage rosenfeld and troy brown for joining the program stay tuned next week you never know what's going to happen you never know what mario is going to do or not going to do but you know the show is going to be action-packed so keep it here for nick ferguson secondary perspective on voice america sports you can follow me at nick ferguson underscore 25 and my co-host mario vitanzi at mile high Mario, until next week, be good to each other, and I will see you later. Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West, on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week. 